0: Section 1 of Stories from the Operas by Gladys Davidson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Aubert, Fra Diavolo. One bright Easter eve, early in the nineteenth century, a lively group of Carabiners were gathered together in the inn of Terracina near Naples drinking success to the enterprise they were engaged upon. For they were just about to attack a horde of brigands supposed to be in that neighborhood, and were expecting to meet with many exciting adventures. The captain of the outlaw band, Frodiavolo, was the most celebrated bandit in Italy, and fully justified in his sinister name, for his daring raids and impudent roguery had made him a terror to the countryside, and the mere mention of his name cost peaceful travelers to tremble in their shoes. All previous attempts to capture the cunning outlaw had proved ineffectual. So when the last troop of carabiners were sent out from Naples to lie in wait for the whole band, joy was felt in every village round about, and the peasants hoped to be freed from their dreaded enemy at last. The soldiers had been awaiting news at the inn of Terracina, but on learning that Diablo and his rogues had been seen in the neighborhood, they at once received orders to start off in pursuit. In a merry haste, they drank the stirrup cups and poured out one for old Matteo, the innkeeper, and his pretty daughter, Zerlina, for a prize had been set upon the head of Diavolo, and they were eager to win the reward. But the captain of this gay troop, a handsome young brigadier named Lorenzo, sat alone at a side table, full of gloom, and when the innkeeper presently invited all the company to attend the wedding of his daughter with a neighbouring farmer on the morrow the look of sadness on his face deepened still more for lorenzo on arriving at the inn had quickly fallen in love with the pretty zerlina himself and when he had declared his passion for her the maiden gladly responded in an answering love as deep and tender as his own but matteo the innkeeper, would not hear of his daughter wedding a poor brigadier who had not but his wretched pay to live upon. And to settle the matter, he hastily arranged a marriage for her with Francesco, a well-to-do farmer who came forward as a suitor just at this time. Negotiations were quickly made, and the ceremony fixed to take place on Easter morn. And now, on the evening before, Zerlina, compelled to obey her parents' will, was bidden to say farewell to her portionless lover. Whilst the two were whispering together in a sad undertone, a loud noise of excited voices was suddenly heard without, and the next moment a lady and gentleman rushed wildly into the inn, both dishevelled and showing signs of great alarm. They declared in agitated tones that they had just been set upon by the band of fierce brigands, who had robbed them of all their jewels and available property and they added that it was only by leaving the robbers with undisputed possession of their travelling carriage that they had been able to escape with their lives. While Zerlina ran to attend the exhausted lady, the gentleman, who was extremely fussy in manner, introduced himself as Lord Allcash, an English peer of great wealth touring through Italy with his newly-wedded wife, explaining that it was scarcely a mile away that his postilion had been stopped by the bandits. On hearing this, Lorenzo exclaimed that it must have been the very band of outlaws he had been sent to capture, that of the famous Frediavolo, and calling his men together, he bade them march forth into the hillside at once. Full of joy, the carabiners sprang to their feet and hurried from the inn, eager for their expected prey. And with a last farewell to the now weeping Zerlina, Lorenzo quickly followed. Lord Alcash immediately sat down to write down a notice, offering a reward for the recovery of his stolen property and his wife having noticed the tender parting between zerlina and her lover drew the girl aside and asked the cause for her trouble having learned that it was only a matter of dowry that kept the two loving hearts apart the lady being of sentimental disposition persuaded her husband to make the reward a thousand ducats hoping that the prize would be gained by the handsome lorenzo who would thus become the eligible suitor for the innkeeper's daughter the notice was then fastened to a prominent place and lord and lady alcash were just about to retire to the private apartments that had been hastily prepared for them when a splendid carriage suddenly drew up at the inn door a handsome man of gay debonair appearance stepped lightly to the ground and bowed gracefully to the english tourists and lady alcash to her delight recognized a charming fellow-traveller who had followed in their wake for several days past and with whom she had more than once indulged in a pleasant flirtation but her husband uttered an angry exclamation for being somewhat dull and stupid himself he was already jealous of his coquettish wife's brilliant admirer and seizing her by the hand he led her into an inner chamber very much against her will The gay newcomer, who gave his name as the Marquis of San Carlo, entered the inn and ordered a repast, announcing that he meant to stay the night, and old Matteo bustled his servants about in high good humor, blessing the good fortune that had brought the two great lords to his hostelry on the same day. He informed the Marquis, with many humble apologies, that he himself would be absent from the inn until morning since he intended to spend the night with his future son-in-law francesco who was to be married to his daughter on the morrow but he assured him that every possible attention would be accorded to him during his absence so far from expressing annoyance at this announcement the marquis showed signs of pleasure and as he sat down to the supper that had been quickly spread before him he asked the landlord for the news of the neighbourhood "'Matteo informed him that the talk of the countryside at the time "'was all of the daring bandit, Fra Diavolo, "'whose lawless band had only a few hours ago "'set upon and robbed the rich English lord and lady "'whom he had seen on entering the inn. "'And seeing that the marquis was inclined "'to scoff off the notions of the brigands, "'he bade his daughter sing to the guest "'a ballad well known to the peasants round about.' in which the wild deeds of the famous robber were set forth in glowing colors just as the song came to an end two rough swarthy men wrapped in dark ragged cloaks entered the inn and asked for shelter for the night and when matteo suspicious of their rascally looks declared that he did not harbor vagabonds the marquis good-naturedly begged him to grant their request saying that he would gladly pay for their board and lodging. Matteo, though somewhat surprised at the great lord's generous offer, made no more objection, but ordered one of the servants to provide the trams with food, and afterwards to lodge them in the barn. And then, bidding his noble guest farewell for the night, he set off to the farm of Francesco, calling to Zerlina to accompany him part of the way. No sooner had the innkeeper and his daughter departed than the two vagabonds, casting hasty glances around, approached the marquis and began to talk familiarly with him. For, though all Matteo little imagined it, the dashing guest he had served so obsequiously was in reality none other than the famous Fra Diavolo himself, now engaged in one of his most desperate enterprises. Having heard that a rich English lord and his lady were travelling through Italy, the daring brigand had determined to relieve them of all their available belongings, and to this end, being of gentlemanly aspect and manners, he had provided himself with fashionable attire, and made their acquaintance under the name of the Marquis of San Carlo. The coquettish lady Alcash had quickly fallen under the fascinating spell of the brilliant Marquis, who regardless of the fussy husband's black looks had flirted desperately with her from the beginning and following in their wake from hotel to hotel he had discovered under the pretence of friendly interest the exact amount of all the valuables the wealthy pair had brought with them from england having learned that lord olcash intended to bank the sum of twenty thousand gold pieces at leghorn the disguised brigand had given orders to his men to waylay the travellers on their journey thither and to possess themselves not only of the gold but also the lady's handsome jewels and he had also bidden two of the gang to follow him to the inn of Terracina to give him an account of their raid these two rogues, whose names were Beppo and Giacomo, now told their daring leader that they had stopped the English travellers at the spot agreed upon, but, though they had easily secured the diamonds and other jewels, they declared that they had been unable to find the gold. On hearing this, Fra Diavolo was disappointed and perplexed, but, declaring that he would quickly discover the whereabouts of the money, he bade the bandits to retire to the barn to await his further orders. As the two rascals departed, Lady Alcash entered the parlour, announcing carelessly that her husband was resting, and, being somewhat dull, she had come to indulge in a little conversation with the charming marquis. And the disguised bandit, determined to make the most of this fortunate circumstance, plunged at once into another amiable flirtation with the frivolous lady. They were, however, quickly interrupted by the angry husband, who had no intention of being supplanted by a mere stranger but the pretended marquis with careless ease refused to quarrel and cleverly inveigled the duped one into friendly conversation with great cunning he expressed sympathy with lord alcash in the loss of his valuables inquiring casually if he had managed to save the large sum of gold he had been conveying to leghorn and with conceited pride the englishman replied that his own wits had served him in this matter. Having heard that bandits were in the neighborhood, he had changed all the gold into bank bills, which he had caused to be sewn up in the coat he was wearing, and also in the large sleeves of the lady's gown. And by this simple ruse, he had managed to cheat the robbers. Whilst they were talking together, and Frediavlo Diablo was inwardly rejoicing at the information he had gleaned, approaching footsteps were heard outside, and next moment, Lorenzo and his carabiners hurried into the inn, exclaiming that they had gained a victory. Having cut off the brigands' retreat, they had caught the whole band in an ambush, and, attacking them unawares, had quickly killed twenty of their number, after which the remainder had fled away in a panic. Zerlina, who had also returned, quickly hastened to the side of her lover, rejoicing to see him again so soon. But Lorenzo declared that they must set off again immediately, for they had not yet captured the leader of the band, and could not rest until that deed was accomplished. He had, however, good news for Lord Olcash, whose lost valuables he had himself recovered from one of the bandits, and to the great delight of the travellers, he placed their jewels before them once more. Lady Olcash now announced that Lorenzo was entitled to the reward offered for the recovery of the jewels and demanding her husband's pocket-book which he had already replenished from his hidden store of bank-bills she took therefrom a note of a thousand ducats and handed it to the young brigadier overjoyed at the good fortune that had so suddenly made him even richer than his rival francesco lorenzo clapped Zerlina in his arms with delight knowing now that there was nothing to keep them apart and declaring that he should return on the morrow to wed her in spite of the farmer he hurried off with his men to search for the brigand chief. All this time, the disguised Fra Diavolo had been gnashing his teeth with rage, inwardly furious at the defeat of his band, and vowing vengeance for the death of his brave rogues, yet outwardly compelled to preserve the unconcerned demeanour of the gay Marquis. But as soon as an opportunity occurred, he slipped from the inn and made his way into the barn where Beppo and Giacomo had been lodged for the night. He quickly arranged a scheme for again robbing the English travellers for their jewels, and also for the bank bills hidden in their clothing, and having bidden the bandits to join him a short time later, he returned to the inn parlour to gather further information for the perfecting of his plans. It was now getting late into the night, and at last Zerlina led Lord and Lady Alcash to their sleeping chambers, which lay beyond her own and in answer to the lady's request she remained a little while to assist her in her disrobing. Whilst the maiden was thus absent, her own chamber was entered by a supposed marquis, who had discovered that this was the only means by which the English lord's apartment could be reached, and creeping on tiptoe to the window, he opened it to admit Beppo and Giacomo, who were now waiting outside informing them in a whisper that they would have to wait until the girl had also retired to rest before they could accomplish their purpose. The bandit captain led them towards a large lumber cupboard with glass doors at one end of the room, and here the three concealed themselves just as Zerlina returned. Having already ascertained that all in the house had retired to rest, Zerlina at once prepared for bed. As she undressed, she sang softly to herself for joy was in her heart. She knew that her father would no longer refuse her in marriage to her beloved Lorenzo, since the brigadier had now the fortune even larger than Francesco's, and she felt that the young farmer could soon be persuaded to resign a bride who would never have loved him. Catching a sight of her pretty figure in the mirror on the dressing-table, she was suddenly struck by her own good looks and with a thrill of innocent pleasure she uttered aloud a few words of admiration for the charming reflection before her to the great amusement of the hidden bandits who kept indulging in sly peeps through the glass door of the cupboard and could hear every word uttered in the room beyond several times they nearly betrayed their presence but Zerlina was too much occupied with her own pleasant thoughts to think of any lurking danger she was soon ready for rest, and having uttered a prayer for protection during the night, she put out the light and retired to bed. Having waited until the maiden's regular breathing assured them that she was asleep, Fred Diavolo and his two rascals crept forth from their hiding place and made their way towards the door of Lord Allcash's apartment. But on passing the bed, Beppo suggested in a whisper that they ran a great risk in leaving Zerlina free to rouse the household should she be awakened by any noise they might make. Fra Diavolo replied that if he had any such fear, he had better silence the maiden once and for all. And seizing his dagger, Beppo crept to the bedside. But just as he raised his arm to strike, Zerlina murmured softly in her sleep, repeating the sweet childish words of her simple prayer. And the brigand, conscience stricken let his arm fall limply to his side again at that moment a loud knocking was heard outside the inn door and the voice of lorenzo shouted eagerly for admission and finding that their enterprise must now be delayed a little longer fra diavolo and his companions quickly withdrew to the cupboard once more just as erlina awakened by the noise sprang out of bed hastily dressing herself the girl ran to open the window and discovering to her joy that lorenzo and his carbineers were waiting below she threw a key down to her lover and bidding him let the men into the kitchen she then finished dressing and was just about to go below when lorenzo impatient to meet her entered the room and almost at the same time lord alcash issued forth in hasty attire from the chamber beyond indignantly demanding the cause of the disturbance Lorenzo explained that he and his men had hopes of soon securing Fra Diablo, for after pursuing him in a wrong direction on the hillside for some time, they had casually learned from a peasant that their quarry had been seen on the Terracina road. They had consequently retraced their steps, but, deeming it necessary for the men to have a few hours' rest, having been long on the march, he had called in at Matteo's hostelry for that purpose. Zerlina quickly ran off to provide the carbineers with food. But Lord Alcash detained the brigadier for a few minutes longer to listen to a pompous tirade against a country where peaceful travellers were set upon by brigands in the daytime and roused thus rudely from the slumbers in night. Suddenly they were startled by a loud noise within the cupboard, for Beppo, by an awkward movement, had accidentally overturned some heavy object he had not noticed in the darkness. Fra Diablo, however, was instantly ready with a subtle scheme to save the situation, and as lorenzo and lord alcash crossed the cupboard to discover the cause of the noise he stepped forth coolly smiling and bowing with the easy grace of the brilliant marquis in answer to the indignant questions poured upon him he blandly declared that he had concealed himself in the cupboard to keep a tender assignation and by the aid of his clever wit he had led the englishman to suppose that his intended meeting was to have been with lady alcash while Lorenzo imagined that Zerlina was the expected fair one. The young brigadier, filled with grief at the seeming proof of Zerlina's defection, instantly challenged the man he supposed to be her lover to a mortal duel, a challenge which was gaily accepted by the pretended Marquis, who arranged to meet him at seven o'clock next morning in the rocky pass nearby. Lady Olcash, attracted by the angry voices, now appeared on the scene only to be met by indignant upbraidings from her outraged husband and when zerlina presently returned to announce that food was ready below lorenzo turned coldly aside and refused to even speak to her all was now confusion and dismay and in the midst of the general disturbance fra diavolo and his companions managed to escape unobserved from the inn bidding beppo and giacomo return to the barn and there await his further instructions which he would convey to them next morning in a note concealed in a hollow tree near the inn the bandit captain hastened to his familiar haunts on the mountain side and there with the remnant of his scattered band he arranged a third plot for the capture of the english traveller's wealth it was decided that when lorenzo came to keep his appointment for the duel in the rocky pass he should be instantly surrounded and killed by a few ambushed rascals and that when all the party from the inn had departed to the village church for serlina's wedding and the carbineers had started their march the captain and remainder of the band should make a quiet raid on the hostelry and possess themselves of the treasure they had so long desired having completed his plans fra diavolo wrote them down on a note for beppo and giacomo bidding them to give him notice directly the inn was deserted by ringing the bell of the little hermitage on the hillside, and this message, while he slipped into the hollow tree, agreed upon. Just before seven o'clock, next morning, Matteo arrived at the inn with the young farmer, Francesco, and the rest of the wedding party, and poor Zerlina, who had vainly tried to learn the cause of Lorenzo's sudden coldness to her, was filled with despair. Seeing that the young brigadier was just about to depart with his carabiners in search of the brigand chief, and was making no attempt to prevent her marriage with Francisco, she ran to him once again, imploring him to say in what way she had offended him, and Lorenzo, still believing her to be false, at last decided in tones of suppressed anger that she had betrayed him by concealing another lover in her chamber the night before. He then hastened away to place himself at the head of the troop. Remembering his appointment with the Marquis at seven o'clock and his distracted sweetheart was left more mystified than ever. At the moment, however, her attention was attracted by the two vagabonds, Beppo and Giacomo, who were drinking together at a little side-table close beside her. For having secured the captain's note, they were now waiting the opportunity to carry out his instructions. Seeing Zerlina approach beppo nudged his companion reminding him that this was the same pretty maid they had watched at her toilet the previous evening and carried away by the amusing recollection he repeated in a loud whisper the words of admiration she had uttered when standing before the mirror every word of this careless whisper was heard by zerlina who was filled with amazement and feeling sure that some mysterious plot was on foot She called aloud to the carbineers to seize the two tramps, declaring that they had just repeated certain words she remembered to have uttered when she believed herself alone in her chamber the night before. Instantly, the two rogues were seized, in spite of their struggles to escape, and as the carbineers searched them for proof of guilt, they found the note containing the whole of Fra Diablo's cunning plot. Lorenzo, determined that the famous robber should not escape his hands this time, quickly decided to catch him in his own trap, and bidding the wedding guests retire within the inn, he ordered the carbineers to conceal themselves on the hillside down which Fra Diavolo intended to come. He next dispatched Beppo to toll the hermitage bell, with two soldiers hidden close by, covering him with their carbineers, and then, concealing himself behind some bushes with Zerlina and Lord and Lady Alcash. He waited to see the result of his ruse. The wretched Beppo, not daring to disobey the command given to him, began to toll the hermitage bell, and almost immediately afterwards, Diablo appeared on the hilltop. Although now attired in the gorgeous garb of a brigand chief, the hidden watchers instantly recognized him as the gay marquis who had successfully deceived them all, and, amazed by the discovery lorenzo's contrite eyes sought zerlina's in a silent appeal for forgiveness whilst lord and lady Olcash joined hands in token of renewed good-fellowship seeing that beppo still toiled the bell undisturbed fra diavolo concluded that all was well and gaily descended the hillside with confidence but at a sign from lorenzo the carbines sprang suddenly from their ambush and seized him ere he had time to realize his danger in another moment his hands were tightly bound and shackled and as he was led away between two files of carbineers a loud cry of triumph arose from the spectators now assembled below who all rejoiced together at the capture of the dreaded bandit a few hours later Zerlina's wedding was celebrated in the little village church and the happy bridegroom who joined hands with her that day was not francisco the farmer but lorenzo the proud vanquisher of the famous Fra Diavolo. End of section one.